Hello, and welcome to my lecture series. My name is Nick Lugo, and thank you for being here. Before we get started, I just want to give an explanation or a reminder as to why you're here and why I do these lectures in the first place. It may seem true to you that the reason to come to one of these lectures, or a lecture in general, is to learn, and you wouldn't be wrong, but it's much more than that. You're here to act. The learning part is obvious, but not the acting. Often, I, more than anybody else, know how to act, but simply just don't act. For example, it's not a groundbreaking discovery that going to the gym is important. This is something that we all know. Yet, the hardest part is, and I'll say it again, action. As you know, the lectures that I'll take you through are hero stories, and there is much to learn from them. Therefore, the first lesson to learn from these stories and these movies is a simple one, one that you already know. Heroes follow their heart. They don't think about following their heart. It is action that separates the heroes from the rest. The goal of this lecture is to facilitate thought and action, as the two are so desperately intertwined. Therefore, I make this statement that I say with absolute conviction. If this lecture series does not change the actions you take in this world, then I have failed you. This idea of action is one that I explore with incredible depth in these lectures. Finally, if you're looking for a more direct way to act, I suggest you check out my new book, Breaking Your Bad Habits in 150 Pages, A Hero's Journey. My book takes these abstract lessons and applies them directly to you and any bad habit or human weakness that you might be struggling with. I place you in the shoes of a hero and show you how to be both a thinker and a doer, all in 150 pages for those of you who don't consider themselves readers. You can find the book on Amazon by searching it or by clicking the link in this video. Now, let's get on to the lecture. Hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Lecture 5 of Beauty and the Beast. And, well, I wanted to start this off with a story. I want to start this off with a cool story. And, um, and by the way, if you haven't seen Lecture 1 and you're watching this on YouTube, click above. But I think this story is something that actually blew my mind the other day, and I think this is a really great time to tell it. So... The Beauty and the Beast, they make, a, they make a claim, right? They make this wide, far-reaching claim that this is a tale as old as time, and it's true as it can be. And, well, that's a weird thing, right? How is it true as it could be? It's a fairy tale. What's going on? And the story that I want to tell you is something that's absolutely crazy. My friend, at the moment, is going through a Beauty and the Beast story. Like, in actual real life, she is in a love story with a guy, and um, and she is going through Beauty and the Beast, and I think this is an absolutely incredible way to start it off. And I think this is really, really, it's really cool. It's a really, really cool idea. So I'll tell you the story first. I'll tell you exactly what happens, and then I'll tell you what happened and how it relates to Beauty and the Beast. So I have a friend. Um, I won't say her name, but, but she's the perfect representation of Belle, right? That's that's the that's the best way of looking at it. She is literally like the well, we'll say the most well put together woman I've ever met in my entire life. Like the thing about her is she knows what she wants and she goes for it. You know, that's that's one of the things that I really see with women nowadays or at least 
in my time, you know, I see that there are two different types of women, right? There's a woman that knows what she wants, and then there's the woman that doesn't know what she wants. And the, the fundamental difference between the two is if you, and, and this is the same with men, right? It's, it's literally the same idea with men, but the difference between the two is that if you ask a girl or if you ask this person, right, do you want to do something? then if they know what they want, they have the strength and they have the, we'll say, knowledge of themselves to say no. And, um, and well, that's what she's like. That's what she's like. So the best part about her is that she's just very, very strong and she knows what she wants. And if, and if it's not within the bounds of what she wants, she'll just say, no, get out of here. You know, she'll have the confidence, she'll have the strength to, to say, get out of here. For the people who don't really know what they want and and trust me, I've met a lot of guys and girls like this. You know, what ends up happening is they just kind of flow with the winds. If someone asks them what to do, they really don't know what they want to do. And since they don't know what they want to do, they just say yes to everything. And then, and then the problem is that they're a product of their environment, right? They're literally just what their environment is. They're not their own selves. And, well, my, my friend, well, my friend and Belle right? That, that's, that's what the connection here. They're both like that. They're both incredibly strong, incredibly well to put together and they know how to say no. So, so she, she is, a, she is a strong core. She knows who she is and she knows what she wants. So then she meets this guy and he's probably the exact opposite. He's the perfect representation of the beast. Not angry, not like overly masculine, overly animalistic, but just something like still acting off animal natures or something like the better the best way of saying it is undeveloped right he's undeveloped and and the problem with him is that well he was first of all parents got divorced you know rough family life rough childhood and then also he was able to or at least he had enough money to be able to cover all of his problems with goods right with goods and value and trips and things like that and well the unfortunate reality is he he never really discovered who he was because he was always spending so much time distracting himself and i think that's the fundamental problem that i've seen amongst men today it's just like you know we we spend so much time just doing things that we don't actually figure out who we are in the process so this is really the representation of him and um and he is probably a good representation of the prince, right? The prince in the beginning who, you know, essentially has all that he wants and doesn't really have any need to, to go beyond that. He says, okay, I have a shallow interest in something like money or something like things or something like value, and I don't really care about anything beyond that. So then um, so then they get into this relationship, and it's, it's, really, a, it's really perfect because what ends up happening is you have someone like my friends, right? The girl who's Belle. And the thing, the thing about why it works so well is that she's strong enough to handle his problems, right? Because that's essentially what's going to end up happening. He has these problems and he needs to sort out these problems. It's like, fair enough. That's a good thing. But the problem is you need someone strong enough who is, who is, who has already handled most of their problems and is willing to bear your load, right? And who is willing to, we'll say, handle your 
problems without making it their own problem. Because that's that's one of the things about Belle that Belle does so great throughout this entire movie is that she never makes his problems her problems. You know, it's like that's so easy to do. I actually, I personally got into a relationship in high school where that's exactly what I did. You know, it's high school. I think I was a freshman and 14, 15 years old, something like that. And my, uh, I was a pretty, I was a pretty well put together kid. And when I say well put together, I just kind of flat on emotions. Didn't really have too many like anxiety, depression, nothing like that. I have a pretty good family. So, you know, didn't really have any struggles on that front, but she had all of it. She had all of it, the girl that I was with. She had everything put together. It was really bad. And um, and the unfortunate reality there was I didn't know who I was. I couldn't bear her load. So when I essentially opened her up, when I started finding all these, you know, all these problems that existed within her and all the all the things that she needed to develop, I took them on to myself. And I started throughout that time I developed something like anxiety, definitely something like depression. And things started falling apart in my life. It was, it was a really, really tough time. Once I, I held strong for a little bit, but then after a while, once I started developing those things, it was really, really brutal. But the best part about Belle and the best part about my friend is she was able to hold it up, right? She, or at least so far, and I think she, she's good on that front, she's able to sort of carry it on, right? And say, okay, I could bear your load and also remain strong. So we'll say maybe that's the precursor to Beauty and the Beast, right? That's the precursor to this archetype of Beauty and the Beast and, and being something like Belle. And um, Okay, so we got that. So now what happens is she... So he's very insecure, right? He's very insecure and she really likes him, so that's good, right? There's she She's decided that she's going to sort of put in the initial investment to to help him, you know, and, and also, you know, get into a positive relationship. So what happens is she starts opening him up, right? That's exactly what happens. You know, this was a, probably a few months ago. She just starts opening him up. You talk more. He starts revealing more about himself. He starts letting his guard down and things like that. And that, if we're getting to the idea of Beauty and the Beast, that's the idea of letting her into his West Wing. Right. So so essentially, my friend, she went into his West Wing and he couldn't handle it. He just couldn't handle it. This is the thing that I noticed amongst people who are incredibly insecure. And I noticed this mostly throughout high school. One of the things that that really, really killed me was like, okay, you have you see a typical high school relationship, right? Your typical archetypal high school relationship is the group of people two people who get into a relationship for like two weeks and then they break up for two weeks and then they get together for two weeks and that cycle kind of keeps happening and they get together and break up like four or five times. And the reason behind that is something like both of them are so unsure of who they are and both of them are so vulnerable that every time that someone gets a little too far and gets in a little too deep inside that vulnerability, the walls that we sort of put up, you just lash out and completely end it. And this is, this is one of the things that I've noticed. Um, this is one of the things that happened to her. So what happened was she started breaking down his walls and she started, you know, essentially discovering who he is and discovering his vulnerabilities and all of these things, childhood issues, all that, and repression. And what happened was he broke up with her. 
he broke up with her. Just like just like the beast who tells her to get out of the West Wing, don't like I never want to see you again, like leave all that stuff. And the reason why is is very simple, right? The idea of the rose is that it's a flower, right? The idea of suppression, these repressed thoughts that we have, is that they're flowers and they're so damn vulnerable, right? Why is the the flower covered in a glass case? Because it's so damn vulnerable and all you got to do is touch it the wrong way and um and and it falls, right? And it dies. So So that's what happened. She started when it when it started figuring him out a little bit more and um and he broke up with her right away and he actually ended up telling her, I think it was like a week later, he told her, he's like, I don't know why I did that. Like, I cannot explain to you why I did that. There was just, it was just an impulsive thing where I was just like, I, I just, I just can't handle it anymore. I just can't do it. So, um, so in my interpretation, that's something like the, the beast in him that's saying, wait a second, you're getting too close. You're getting too close. This is a little uncomfortable. I can't deal with it. So now, well, that's what—that's the point where she's at right now. So, so that's why I wanted—that's why I wanted to put it there because that's exactly where we are in the story right now. So the next part that happens in Beauty and the Beast is, and this is exactly what happens in um, with her, right? Is that Belle decides to run away, right? So the Beast screams at her, tells her to get out, and Belle decides to run away, and well, the meaning behind that is super simple, right? It's super simple. Bell says, well, well, yeah, well, yeah, super simple, okay? All she says is, I don't, I don't want to deal with this, right? I thought maybe I could put in the investment before. I thought maybe there was something there, but why, why would I want to put in this investment? What is it worth if he's just going to scream at me? And you can't, you can't <laughs> argue with that because, because there's probably something that, um, that's wrong with that. And then at the same time, there's there's an idea in the hero mythology, and I like I like bringing the hero and the heroine mythology together because I think it's there there are a lot of parallels between them. There's an idea that when the hero decides to face the dragon, the first thing that he does is run away because he thought that he was gonna face you know we'll say maybe like a a 10-foot dragon who's kind of big and kind of scary, and he thinks he can handle that. But then what happens when he sees a 20-foot dragon that breathes fire in his face right away when he actually confronts the beast for the first time? And what the hero does is they always run away. And the meaning behind that is you thought it was going to be easy, right? Bell as the child hero. Bell as the, as the bright-eyed... The bright-eyed, starry-eyed kid thinks it's going to be incredible, but then she realizes, wait a second, this is not as it seemed. This is not as easy as I thought, and so she runs away, and so this is the point where my friend's at, and I wanted to, I wanted to tell you the advice that I gave her, because obviously I've been working through this Beauty and the Beast story, and by the time that I was, that she was telling me about this, I actually, I finished the, the, um, well, I finished. I finished this this lecture, or at least the like the planning for the lectures. So I f the first thing I told her, she says, "Okay, what should I do?" Right? I'm at the point where he just broke up with me, and I don't know what I want to do. Right? Do I want to do I want to see if I can make it work with him? Do I want to put back in the investment, or do I want to just say screw it? 
Like, why would you break up with me? That's so, she, she said, she's like, this is so disrespectful that he did that, which is true. And, um, and I don't even know if I'd want to stay. So I told her two things. The first thing I told her was, watch Beauty and the Beast, because, because damn, like, this is one potential way that she could, that she could solve it, right? There's, this is one potential way, and I think, I think that the fact that she's lived it out to this point is, is something that's remarkable to me. We're already, like, I don't know, an hour in through the movie, and, and she's already lived it essentially to the T. And the second thing I told her was, do you think you can handle it? Yeah. Well, I told her three things. Okay, so I said, do you think you can handle it? Because you don't want to run into that that problem where you're not strong enough, and then you know the, the essential problems end up falling on you. And the answer that she said was yes. I was like, okay, cool. The next question, and I said this was the most important, do you actually want to invest? Right? Because what you're going to do right now is you're going to invest your multiple your emotional energy, your time, your um, your trust, right? Like you're going to put all of this, you're going to put a huge bet on this guy. Are you willing to invest? And um, and that's a big question, right? That's a big question. You got you to gotta see, you know, there are, because the easy answer, the easy answer that she could have said was no, there are a thousand other men that, that, could easily replace him and and why would I want to why would I want to invest in this one guy what's the point but she didn't say that right but that that could have been the easiest point to make and say okay yeah I'm not going to deal with that but she said she said I think I'm going to handle it so I want to see where that goes but I think that's a really really that's really crazy right what is she going to do she's going to try to essentially keep going into his West Wing. That's all she's going to end up doing. She's going to keep going into his West Wing, and we're going to get onto the, <laughs> the... Like, the the next part of this movie explains exactly what she is going to do, or at least what she should do. So I think that's... There's something incredibly special about that. But anyways... So what happens is Belle decides to leave, and right away, she faces these wolves, right? She sees a bunch of wolves, and the wolves try to kill her. And I'll explain that later. I'll explain that later. But what happens is, so the beast comes in, and he protects her, right? He protects her, saves her from the wolves, and and sacrifices himself for her. Because what happens is the wolves kind of take him down, and even though he scares off the wolves, he, he kind of faints and, and loses consciousness, and... And yeah, like, you know, like really, really, really chose to sacrifice himself for it, really put his all into it, and really got hurt for it, right? Like, he actually received some sort of problem for doing it, and so then what happened is, Belle decides, so she sees him lying in the background, right over here, and um, here's another thing, right? Here's him on the floor, and she sees him lying in the background, and she says, okay, what do I want to do? I have the option right now, I could just walk away and leave him here, or I could stay and help him, right? I could stay and choose to invest, and that's exactly what my friend is at right now, and this is, this is such an important point in the movie, because what she's really deciding right now is, do I want to remain as a child? 
Do I want to remain as somebody full of potential, somebody full of all these options, somebody full of this bright looking view on the world? Or do I want to actualize it? Do I want to finally take my, my ideas, my ideologies, all the things that I've been putting forth and, and take action on them and put them in the real world? And uh, so, there, so there's two ways of looking at it, right? In one case, you could say she's giving up her freedom, right? Because the thing about a child is, and the thing about any sort of plan is that when you're, well, we'll say, yeah, yeah. So the thing about any sort of plan is that there are so many directions in which you can go, right? Let's say, let's say you're a kid and you want to be, you could be an astronaut, you could be a doctor, you could be a, you could be a baseball player, you could be all of these things. But what ends up happening is once you decide to take a step down one path, so let's say you decide to be a baseball player, you cut off all the other paths, right? And and that's not easy, right? What you're doing there is you're giving up your freedom and you're giving up your freedom to choose paths and you're giving up your potential. You're giving up the the potential use that you possibly could have been, right? The potential astronaut, the potential doctor, whatever. And you're also giving up something like the illusion that you could be everything. That's one of the things that I find to be the, the most difficult to let go. Because what happens is, and this is something that I've seen across my life, definitely, is that... Well, I, sa I said this for, well, we'll relate it back to the entrepreneur example. The reason why I never got started on being an entrepreneur is because it kills the dream of being an entrepreneur. It kills the dream of, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to go live on a yacht and I'm going to have all this influence on the world and I'm going to make all the difference. And it changes it to, wait a second, that's not exactly how it is. And maybe the plan that I established, maybe the, the innocent plan that I wanted to go on in the beginning, maybe it's, maybe it's not going to be like that. And maybe, maybe I'm not even going to get there, right? Because the, the problem with taking a step towards your goals, whatever that is, is that you realize that it's not as easy as you thought. And for some people, and this, this is what I've noticed, you know, for some people, it's just better to keep the illusion. It's just better to keep the illusion that maybe one day I will get there and maybe one day I'll be happy. And I've seen this all the time in business school. You know, the thing about it is I have every time I come up to somebody, I always ask them. And this is the thing that kills me. I say, what do you want to do? And most likely they say something like finance, accounting, you know, those soul sucking jobs. And the reason why I say soul-sucking soul jobs in this case is because they even know that it's a soul-sucking job. They know that it's not easy. And they know that they don't want to do it. And then they, they say, but one day I'm going to be CEO. One day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retire early. Or one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, make something of myself or whatever. This, this pain is only going to be temporary. And that gets them through. That gets them through. And what I've realized is that for some people, right, for some people, they could actually do that. For some people, they actually do become the CEO. And for some people, they do become the CFO. But for 92% is probably a good percent. Something like 90 to 95% of them. 
end up just getting stuck in the CEO in the in the finance job or the accounting job and it's because you realize you're like wait a second I have this plan. I have this plan to eventually be a CEO, CFO, you know, some big shot, whatever. But you have no idea how hard it's going to be. You have no idea what you have to do to put to put it in. And for you to just keep pushing that off saying, oh, yeah, you know, I'll just be that someday. That's just that's just a little bit of a coping mechanism, in my opinion. And so that's the problem. Right. So the question is. Why don't you be real with yourself? Why don't you be real with yourself and say, wait a second, no, no. I am going to be a finance person and I'm most likely going to get stuck in finance for the rest of my life. Or or I'm going to pick this path, more generally, I'm going to pick this path and most likely I'm going to lose all my access to all the other paths. And the reason we don't say that is because we lose our freedom. Right, we lose our freedom and we also lose the dream. We lose the illusion that we could potentially go and get it. And that's what Belle's struggling with right now. So in this moment, when she decides, okay, do I really want to do I really want to save him? Right? Do I really want to invest in him? She's really saying, I am getting rid of the person that I of the of all the other people that I could be. You know, maybe something like the person who is married to Gaston, right here, right? Like, once she decides to invest in this, she decides, okay, I am getting rid of plan B, which is the person who's going to marry Gaston, and I'm getting rid of the, we'll say, reliance on my father, and I'm also getting rid of the culture in which I have been raised in. She's got to do all of that in this decision, and so, and she's got to give up her freedom. She's got to give up her potential. You know, the, the archetypal person of Peter Pan is, um, oh, is it what Pan means? Yes, yes. So this is, this is something Jordan Peterson figured out. Pan means everything, right? The idea of Peter Pan means that he is the, well, he's potential, right? He could be anything and he could be, in terms of Pan, he could be everything, and that's why he decides never to grow up. He decides to keep that illusion even though he never really wants to settle on something. Settle on something that, settle on a path that is worthwhile. And, well, that's why she's saying, I'm going to let go of my childhood. So what happens is she chooses to, um, she chooses to, to offer him care and to, and to help him and to invest in him, you know. And the next thing that she says is, I can't go back to my childhood. Right, it's it's part of the next song. She says she realizes that once I decide to choose this path, that I I have to get rid of all the other paths. And this is an idea that I saw I saw it a while ago, and I think it's a really really interesting idea. And I think maybe I'm starting to understand it a lot deeper. The idea lies in something like this. There was a, there were colonists, I think it was American colonists, many years ago, and this was in the 1600s, you know, this is when we actually had boats and navies, and, um, and there was no airstrike, right, right, this was like, this was like something like conquering America, and the, the, was it English? Not important, so you have the, you have the captain of, we'll say the, the English, right, the, 
the people from England going up against the Native Americans. And they were outnumbered. So the, the, the people from England were completely outnumbered. I think it was, it was either 100 to 1 or 1,000 to 1. So they show up on their boats and they say, oh God, this really, this is really, really bad. Like we are going to get absolutely slaughtered here. And the captain of the boats, the captain of the English boat, uh, of the English Navy takes a torch and lights up all the boats. He burns all the boats and he says, well, now there's no plan B. Good luck, right? There's no option for retreat. And that's the exact idea. The exact idea is, okay. If you're going to put your all into something, if you're going to do something that is actually worthwhile and actually worth achieving, then you have to set your whole mind on it. And there can be no plan B. That's an idea that Mark Cuban talks about all the time. Mark Cuban as an entrepreneur, he says, you got you to gotta burn your boats. You got you to get rid of plan B. And you got to not be Peter Pan. Right? That's exactly what you're saying. You're getting rid of the potential that you could be and you're actualizing the potential. One of the things that I write in my journal every morning is sort of like an affirmation is don't have potential be written on your tombstone. Right? That's a really that that idea is probably the reason why I'm doing this lecture today. You know, it's probably the motivation that got me up to do it today because I am full of potential. Right, I'm young, right? Whenever we're young, we are all potential. And it's a question of whether or not you actualize that potential. That's it. That's it. Whether or not you turn your, your illusions, dreams, thoughts into actions that actually have an effect on the world. There was another great quote that I think really sums it up perfectly. It says something like, yes, the smallest act of kindness is better than the grandest intention. And that's the they're really hitting on that idea. You know, it's, it's, it's a really, really strong idea that you could apply to your life. It's like, okay, you really think that you're a good person? What? Do you think that you're a good person because you believe that someday you're going you're gonna to donate to charity and someday you're going to help people? It's like, no, no. Help people now. Help people now. It doesn't have to be something big. It doesn't have to be the huge plan that you've been doing, that you've been offering up to see if you could, you know, we'll say, help the starving children in Africa. But... Just do something small. Just do something small. And take action to actualize your potential. That's a good idea. So she kind of, she kind of, we'll say, puts that idea into words where she says, I was innocent and certain. Now I'm wiser, but unsure. So she realized, okay, before I was this bright-eyed child, essentially, right? Because this is a maturity story. She was a child. She was somebody who relied on her parents and was incredibly immature, incredibly immature. And now she, but she was certain, right? That was the thing. She's like, I could handle this. I could do it. You know, you say you're going to fight the 10-foot dragon and you're like, oh, I could take down a 10-foot dragon. No problem. But what happens when the dragon's 30 times bigger than you thought it was? And, well, I've come to, Well, so that's actually something that they've proven in, um, man, I can't remember the name, but this is something that, um, that was psychologically proven. It's something that makes such little sense, but at the same time, at the same time, I can understand the biological mechanisms behind it. 
what actually happens in your brain is whenever you decide to go for a goal, right? And you have limited information on that goal. So let's say I tell myself, I'm going to read, what book is this here? I'm going to read this book. No problem. I could do it, right? And when I look at something like this, I say, okay, I could read this book. I could do it. You know, all I have to do is, is read for three hours a day and for two months and that's and that's it that's all i need to do it's not that much of a problem you know that's the child here you're innocent but certain and um and for whatever reason psychologically this is true so for whatever reason we you have the most confidence when you're about doing something when you try to achieve it that's like saying oh yeah you know i'm just gonna go to the gym and i'm just gonna go to the listen to that song a little bit deeper and you'll understand what it is it's a song that everybody knows, I hope. And that's the same idea in Moana. In Moana, Moana's dad tried to go past the reef and um and he failed. Right? And when he failed, he goes back and um and there's a point where Moana literally passes the point where her parents went, where her dad went. And um Well, don't we all have that moment? Don't we all have that moment in our lives when um we develop enough individuality, where we develop enough strength to be able to um to push past right to be able to well hopefully this is if our parents failed which sadly most of our parents have you know or most of our parents have not achieved their wildest dreams you could say because only so few people can achieve their wildest dreams so if we're going to achieve a similar goal as theirs or even if we're trying to attain a higher level of consciousness as them which is you know, that's that's a universal framework, you could say. Um, we are going to reach a point where we understand more than they do. And, um, and Jung would say, that is the point where in your dreams, your parents die. So there was a, um, there was a great, there was a great story where Jung was training uh, somebody, Carl Jung, he was training somebody to be a psychologist, right? And um, he gave him all of his theories and part of the part of the verification process to see when the moment when he goes from a trainee to a professional is he would analyze his dreams and one time the um the trainee comes in and he says i had a dream last night that um that i killed you that i murdered you and um and you died and carl jung looks at him and he says you are ready to be a professional and he's like what how does that make sense and and Jung would say that since her parents, since his parent, since his mentor died in his dreams, that's the point where he has conquered, understood all the knowledge of him and killed him off and therefore has become his own person. You know, the idea in mythology, anytime you see like a superhero or a hero, their parents dying, it shows that the, there's a transfer of responsibility now. It's like you're on your own. You know, so that's the idea of killing off your parents. You know, if, if you have a dream where you kill off your parents, that means you are individually responsible for your own actions and nobody's coming to save you. Daddy's not going to be here to save you. You know, that that's the idea in, in The Lion King. Da Daddy comes in and saves Simba. So, um, so this, this is a big point in, in Elsa's journey. It, it, it's a process of maturity. You know, it's, it's one of those points where you get there and you realize, all right, I've actually gone somewhere. I'm going to figure this out. And well, I'm on my own. 
I, I'm not going to have any more help from my parents. So, um, so yeah, then we had this little drama with, um, with Elsa and Anna. Problem is, we spend so much time denying ourselves, so much time, you know, um, pushing away our feelings that we, um, that we really, that we really struggle. We struggle. And, um, and it has an effect on our lives, you know. You ask, you ask the question, it's like the fear of public speaking. You know, we talk about this all the time in, um, in, in our daily lives. You know, the fear of public speaking is something that everyone has. And you got to ask the question, how do you cure it? Right? How do you cure the fear of public speaking? And the question is, do you spend more time public speaking or do you spend less time really trying to figure your stuff out? And then... Um, and then go, right? So imagine you have to speak in front of 200 people. Do you start speaking in front of 15, 30, 50, 100, 200? Or do you just say, all right, I'm going to control it. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to go, right? Once you, once you step out, you're going to be screwed if you do the second method. And um, it's because you haven't confronted it, right? Confronting the trials and tribulations is exactly that idea of going 15, 30, 50, 100, right? So you start small. You go through your first trial then maybe you fail, but that's okay because it's only 15 people. And then you keep going and you keep going. You know, that when, when we talk about the guardian at the gate, um, that's kind of what it is. That's kind of what it is, you know? So let me, let me take you through what I've experienced, you know? So when I said I worked out um, for a while, I was actually pretty somewhat consistent at working out, but not, not consistent enough. I kind of passed the guardian the gate, but, um, but the problem was, I lost consistency, right? And this was me going to the gym uh, every day for one hour. And then, you know, you think about it, it's a 10-minute drive there, 10-minute drive back, you get a shower afterwards. So it's really like an hour 40, hour 30 commitment. What I, what I did instead, you know, I learned this from someone else. Um, they said, stop that, stop that. Because you got to ask the question, what is your problem? Is your problem intensity, right? Being able to work an hour and, you know, making the hour and 40 minute commitment or is it consistency you know is most of our problem being able to get there every single day and go through the go through the struggle right go through the process of working out and i said i think everyone's problem is the consistency it's not the intensity so the recommendation was ramp down the ramp down the intensity and you'll improve the consistency so instead of working an hour and 40 work out for 10 minutes Right? And that's what I did. I started working out for, I think it was five minutes a day. All I did was uh, a few push-ups, hangs from a pull-up bar, and that was it. That was it. And um, I did it for 70 days in a row or something like that. 70 days in a row. And it's like, wow, wow. I didn't gain any muscle. I didn't gain like one pound of muscle, but I got consistent. Right? I got the consistency and I built a foundation. I've spoken in front of 15 people, you could say. Right? And... Um, and then on top of my one set of push-ups and hanging from a bar, which took me, yeah, like three to five minutes tops. Then, um, then I added on another workout. Then I added on another workout. And now I'm at the point where I'm doing four workouts every morning, which is like 10 minutes, right? But that's still not enough. And I've only been doing this for like seven months now, you could say. But I know that if I keep going consistently, if I keep working out every single day, then um, eventually that's going to build up to 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, right? You keep doing that and eventually you have your routine. It's um it's the slow growth. It's the it's the boring method, you could say, 
right? It's not, it's not one of those things where, you know, you get all the motivation to work out because you want to, I'll say get rich quick, but you know, obviously it's different. It's get strong quick, get muscular quick, get, um, tone quick, but is it ever really that simple? Is there ever really that simple? You could just get up and do it. Just figure it out. The problem is not the intensity. The problem is not doing it quickly because the thing is you can't do it quickly. I think I'll say 1% of the people who actually go out and try and do it and start right away and just say, I'm going to go for an hour and 40 minutes, actually do it consistently. But the people who build the slow game end up, well, they've made it through their trials and tribulations. The, the people who are get rich quick, they're essentially just trying to skip the trials and tribulations. It doesn't work that way. So, um... Well, Bruce Wayne tries to go through, he goes through his trials and, you know, um... He really does. He learned he learned something about himself along the way. You know, it's it's mental and physical training. That's that's something that you gotta realize, you know. So he's going on these fights and um domains in, in all areas, you know. Like you imagine what is the one thing that you need to go in deeper to yourself? You need to go and try to understand your emotions. You need to put aside those outer layers. You need to get rid of them and stop worrying about them, you know? Because, well, you have deeper motivations, and if you spend so much time focusing on the outer motivations, then you never achieve the deeper ones. And I think most people never overcome that barrier. You know, 72.5% of Americans are overweight, you know, and it's, it's because they haven't put aside that outer layer of I desire pleasure, right? What about I desire to understand myself? I desire to achieve the whatever, you know, this X goal, X, you know, um, deeper motivation that you, that you, um, that you set your sights on. And, um, well, most people are going to fail along that way because they never want to let go. And the thing is, if you were to imagine, you try to let go of whatever addiction you are struggling with or habit or whatever, right? If you're trying to let go of something like that, along your path to going deeper to yourself, you're going to have to cross this dark sea, right? You're going to have to cross such a difficult, long journey that is full of monsters. And by monsters, I mean the monsters that that come from inside of you. You know, the imagine as you are trying to quit smoking, for example, you know, or we'll stick with food, you know, you try to stop eating chocolate forever, right? And you say you're going to stop eating chocolate because it's bad for you and not bad for you, maybe not even physically, it's just bad for your brain because you're, you're, goal centers are so focused on food that they're not focused on, you know, well, we'll say the things that you actually care about. So as you try to go and cross that, we'll say barrier to go and stop eating chocolate, you're going to hit a massive wave of temptation, cravings, all these things. And that's sort of crossing your dark sea. You know, it's, well, it's a reasonable strategy. It's just the wrong strategy. Like, <laughs> like there's there's no other way to put it in. I think that's just one of those things you kind of catch yourself doing. You know, I have, I have a few friends who do that, and, and I, I try to catch them whenever they do it. But I think that's a good place to stop, actually. Yeah, because so Batman makes his way out, and he makes his way out of the pit. So this lecture was... 
getting out of the pit. When you are screwed, what do you do when you are, well, at the lowest point? But now, next lecture, it seems we are going to get into the idea of how to recover, how to keep going. And, um, and well, I'll give you a little hint. Maybe I won't because I can't find the slide. Nope. Right there. There you go. The answer is trust more right? Trust more. And this is what Batman does. He decides to keep trusting. And, um, and well, that's what we're going to see. That's what we're going to see in the next lecture. So that's good for now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you liked it, Please subscribe. Life, you know, like finding your soul or something to that effect. And um, she guards it to find who is worthy. And only those who are worthy shall pass. And they must go through a series.